Welcome. We are so glad you have joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. We're the only nation in the world with such a declaration spoken over it. We're the only country in the world that has been named the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. We're the only nation that someone has declared that over. And it's not even someone from our land. It was a brand new land that he hasn't even set foot on. But he saw something that God had spoken to him and he declared it in the Spirit. It's many years ago before anyone else arrived. Apart from the Aboriginal people that were already living on that land, there was no one else had stepped foot on that land to that point. And tonight... I just want to share, uh, I won't read that out to you, but I want to share uh, some things, some that maybe some stories that uh, you've never heard before that I had until I looked them up. Uh, some things that have happened in our nation that God has done and uh, revivals and moves of God that have happened in our nation that I didn't know about. And there's a, there's a guy called Robert Evans who has uh, who basically studied and written a whole uh, book, pages and pages and pages of, of a history of all the moves of God and things that have happened since the 1800s and onwards in our nation. And I just want to read a couple of things to you. And before I do that, as I was sitting in my seat before, um, I just felt as we were singing that song that who, transformation guys and girls, who loves to sing? So just throw your hand up if you love, keep your hand up if you love to sing. Because I just believe that God said, whoever puts their hand up is about, you're about to receive. He said, I'm going to give you a song in your heart. Keep your hand up for a moment. He's going to give you a song in your heart. And no matter what trial you're going through, you're going to sing. And no matter how, what, if you're having a good day or a bad day, God says, I'm going to put a song in your heart and you're going to sing. No matter what you're facing, you're going to sing. And deep down, there's going to be a song. It's not going to be any song. It's going to be a song that's going to praise Him and lift Him up. And He says, I'm going to put a song in your spirit. And no matter what you're facing, when someone speaks something even negative to you, suddenly you're not going to react. The song is going to come up and you're going to sing a song. And that song is going to come out of your spirit and it's going to clear the goodness of God. And that song is going to allow you to grow and to live and empower you to live for God. And I just believe right now that he said, I'm going to put a song in your heart. It's going to, it can be a joy that's in your life. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. Just close your eyes for one minute. Everyone's got their hand up. Just close your eyes because I just believe God is just speaking to you now. And I just ask Holy Spirit that you would just speak life right now over them. I pray, Father God, that song. That word, Lord God, would just would just hit them in their spirit. Lord, I pray right now that you would fill them afresh and remind them, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, from tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, every day, Lord God, they're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to wake up and suddenly it's going to be you want to sing. You want to just sing. There'll be a joy in your spirit. And God says, that's the song I've placed in your spirit. And it's going to affect other people around you. So sing. So sing. Sing to God. Don't hold back, but sing to Him. And now His love and power to fill and touch your life. Thank you, Jesus. So there's some stories I just want to share and some uh, things that he has studied and uh, from way back, not quite as far back as some of the things that Pastor Mary Lynn was sharing, but uh, he shares this. In Australia, the new century began with the largest evangelistic campaigns in Australia's history. R.A. Torrey arrived in Melbourne, April 1902. Following successful evangelistic tours in Japan and China, attendances totaled a quarter of a million each week. 
when the population of the whole of Victoria was only 1 million people. 250,000 people a week in Victoria alone, in Melbourne, gathered together every week. If you put that in perspective back into our, into Harvey Bay, it would mean 16,000 people would come to church on a Sunday. We don't have enough buildings in our city to hold 16,000 people at church on a Sunday. And I dare say Melbourne didn't either. So they were probably in parks, in gardens, in halls outside. But 250,000 people, one in four, gathered to meet with God every single week. Meanwhile, in 1902 and 03, a tent mission crusade throughout 200 country towns of New South Wales reported 25,000 people attending. In 1902 and 3, tent meeting crusades in rural New South Wales, which resulted in the conversion of 25,000, was nowhere more powerful in its manifestation than in the coal mining villages of the Illawarra, uh, where 2,735 professed conversion, or some 15% of the region's population. The fire of the Spirit fell on each coal mining village in a work described as gloriously monotonous. At Mount Kemba, 131 um, conversions. At Mount Kira, 214. And Balgani, 183. And Bully, 292. And Helensboro, 234. And so on. At Mount Kemba, an intense emotion with an evident assent to the preacher's burning words were imprinted on every face and feature. And what about the moral and what impact on the moral tone of the community? At Mount Kira, swearing disappeared and the pit ponies or the donkeys in the mine stopped work as they could no longer understand their instructions. A phenomenon also reported in the Welsh Revival three years later. I knew about it in the Welsh Revival, but the first time it actually happened was in Australia, three years before the Welsh Revival. Revival. Asked what was the evidence that the revival was genuine, the Reverend D. O'Donnell replied that the question was a proper one. And since there should be meet works of repentance, he, um, he catalogued four evidences. Listen to this. These are four things. He's saying, well, you know, what, what happens when God moves? What should, we should see a result. Here's four things they observed. The first one was the payment of debts. Tradesmen report the settlement of accounts they had long regarded as bad were paid. People thought they were never going to pay. They paid their debts in full straight away when they encountered God. Second, a pure language. It's said that in the Mount Kira pit on, on that there was swearing had scarcely been heard since the meetings. Third, a, fair's day, a fair day's work. The proprietor of one of the mines told me the biggest day's output of coal they had ever had followed the meetings. And everyone, everyone worked better, everyone, everyone paid their debts, and they were happy. And fourth, attendance at church. All the churches report they greatly increased congregations and increased in membership. I've seen that first. And I remember when I was in uh, America, the Brownsville Revival, and talked to some people, and that area where that church is is known as there was prostitutes walking on the street in front of the church. This is in 1995 it started, and there was a high level of crime. And within a matter of months and for the next five to six years, 
every prostitute, there was no more prostitutes on the street because they'd all gotten saved at the, in, the, in the church and the revival. They were all part of the church. There was crime had dropped by 50%. The other thing that happened in the town is that all year round, every motel, every accommodation was full because everyone was coming from all over the world to meet with God. Every restaurant was full every day. You had to book to get into, I mean, we had to book to find places to eat and we walk into a place and it was packed full of people and you could not find a table to sit down all year round, every day, every night because hundreds of thousands of people were coming to meet with God and so when God moves it actually it not just just about meeting with God it blessing comes on whole communities on whole states on whole nations and so God comes in power and everything changes everything changes in the 1920s, there was a rather spectacular revival associated with Pentecostalism. In 1925, revival broke out in the Melbourne suburb of Sunshine. Hundreds came under conviction of sin, where, um, uh, were filled by the great baptizer and created such excitement that people came from all over Australia to receive blessing. Out of this was formed the Pentecostal Church of Australia. In the 1930s, also saw scenes of revival in Queensland, especially connected with the Pentecostal branch of Methodism. Revivals reported at Wombai, Kingscliff and Toowoomba. One who was used in this work was Booth Clibben, the grandson of William Booth, who started the Salvation Army. Robert Evans, he also, he, sort of, he also made a few things that he noticed out of all the things that were similar. He said, what were some of the keys to God moving? And, um, and also, as I read, I read there was many more those pages of, and I just took a few out of. There was things I noticed that most every one of these moves of God started with a prayer meeting in someone's house, in a shed, or in a hall somewhere. That most of them started there. They didn't often always start in a church. Sometimes they would, there'd be a speaker would come, but most of them started in towns all over in a small prayer meeting, then ended up moving to a church. But prayer and unity, he said, were the two key things. Not unit, there was unity between churches. And as soon as there was unity between churches and Christians from all different backgrounds, God came and moved. And as soon as there was prayer happening, God came and moved he makes this observation he says a lack of real prayer is a major hindrance to God moving for many of us prayer is no of no great importance it is just an extra to a busy life but prayer that brings power takes precedence over all else nothing should be allowed to steal away time spent with God in prayer Robert Evans writes that's what he noticed that these people were so hungry for God that they spent time and they prayed and they sought God and God came and moved in power. What do you think? I believe if we get serious about prayer, then we are going to see a serious move of God that's going to transform lives in our nation. Next weekend, we're going to start three weeks of our next Monday. Not this Monday, coming the one after. We're starting three weeks of prayer and fasting. We'll talk more about it next weekend. But you can think about what, what are you going to... We're asking, we'll have some points to pray about. And we're asking people every day to put time aside to pray. There'll be times when you can gather at church to pray in prayer meetings that we have here already. And, and you need to think about, what am I going to fast? That doesn't mean you have to fast food. There's many ways you can fast. But what are you going to go without for three weeks? And so you can focus on God and you can say, and start to cry out for our nation because our nation needs, needs a move of God and I believe is ready for a move of God to sweep over our nation. Through all these moves of God and these things we've just talked about, one thing was common that people 
heard good news, that people brought good news. And tonight I want to talk about, oh, the message is entitled, um, Beautiful Feet. And I want to talk about the good news. What does good news look like? We are people that need to bring good news. We are, should be the givers of good news. We hear plenty of bad news. We don't have to go too far. You, have to, you only have to read a new pa- newspaper or a, a media. And often you will find some good news stories. But if there's a choice between two, of, often they'll go with the bad news or the one that's going to create some impact or whatever. And so people time and time again are hearing bad news. They're hearing a negative report. They're hearing this has happened again. That's happened again. And there could be some good things happening, but we don't often hear about it unless someone tells you or you're there because... People, for whatever reason, our nature sometimes can edge towards, oh, it's, it was bad. They want to tell a story about this happened to me and that happened to me and, and this happened today. And, and they remember, if you ever talk to someone, and they'll tell you about all the bad things that happened first, all the negative things, and then finally go, oh, and so did anything good happen to you today? Oh, yeah, I just had this happen and that happened. Well, well that's good. Yeah, oh, but, oh, but all the negative, you know, all that happened. And so people can, you can, you know, especially people that aren't, aren't positive about their own life or they maybe don't know God or whatever, they will edge towards the negative. So we hear bad news all the time. And I believe that people are desperate to hear good news. People are desperate and want to hear. If, they, if you can share a, good, the good, a story of good news with someone, it has such an impact on their life. It actually can change someone's day. You can change someone's day by hearing good news. God says it the best. He says this in Proverbs 25, 25. Easy one to remember. 25, 25. Proverbs 25, 25. The Passion Translation says this. Like a drink of cool water to a weary, thirsty soul, so hearing good news revives the spirit. By hearing good news, it revives the spirit. So if you want someone, you want to build someone up, you want to lift someone up, you want to speak life into someone, start sharing some good news. Start to share a story of good news. Start to share something that's positive in their life. There's a scripture that I'm going to share. It's first shared in Isaiah 52.7. And I'll read it to you and then explain where this comes from. It says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the good news that the God of Israel reigns. In Isaiah is talking about, in that context of that scripture, in those days, they would, when a battle was happening, right? There was a battle, they didn't have vehicles, they didn't have helicopters, they didn't have planes. They had runners that would deliver messages. Guys that could run, athletes that could run. Their fastest runners would give messages. And so there's a battle going on. It could be a long way away, miles away, kilometers away, however long it was. And there's people back in the city that are waiting to hear families, children, the dad's away fighting, wives, they're away fighting. They don't know the news. It's not no Facebook, no update. Oh, look at the update on the news. Yep, that's what's happening. There's none of that. They're away days. They could have been away months. And, all, and there's people in watchtowers. And they're standing at the gates in the watchtowers and they're looking, looking, looking. And they see a runner coming. And, the, and, and if you look at history, they could tell if the news was going to be good or bad by the way the runner was running. If he's running with a limp, which means he's probably been a bit injured, it's probably going to be bad news. He's just escaped the battle. If he doesn't turn up at all, it's very bad news. 
But if he's running full pelt and he looks like they're going, it's good news, it's good news. So when Isaiah is reading this scripture, it's in that context. And there's a runner coming and he's talking about the situation. And the runner is coming and the news he's delivering is this, that, that Israel has just been free, freed from captivity in Babylon and they're all coming home. They're all coming home from Babylon. They're no longer being slaves. And so the good news is how beautiful is the feet on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that God of Israel reigns. That's what he's talking about. That the whole nation, they're coming home. We're coming back home to Jerusalem. We're free again. And so... We, we read that in that context. And then we go forward into Romans where Paul shares the same scripture as part of something else in the same similar context. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul refers to this imagery for the sake of the gospel. Okay, The gospel is called the good news. I'll explain what the word gospel means in one moment. He quotes this verse in Romans 10.15 to bolster his point about the importance of the proclamation of the good news. I want to read this to you. In Romans 10.9-15, the New Living Translation says this, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the Scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him to be saved unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him unless they've never heard about Him? And how can they ever hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the Scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news and when you think about this for a moment the messenger Paul's talking about the good news he's talking about is the messenger isn't it's not as if the messenger is going to bring is it going to be good news or is it going to be bad news he's talking about the good news of Jesus Christ and but Jesus has won the victory There's no bad news anymore because he's won the victory. The enemy has been defeated. So the good news is never going to be negative. The good news he's talking about is positive. It's, It's victory every time. It's victory every time. It's deliverance every time. It's salvation every time. I don't have to be worried. Oh, God's going to give me a bad message about you. Jesus is going to give me a bad message. Or Paul's going to declare a bad message about Jesus. No, it's good news every time. He says, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring the good news. And he's tied the good news into the gospel, the message about Jesus. There is no greater victory than that which God has won in Christ. This is the ultimate victory over the last and final enemy. Through Christ, the victory over sin and death has been fully accomplished, but the news of that victory must still be shared. There's plenty of people that just don't know. 
There's plenty of people in our nation that just, they've maybe heard about God, but they don't, haven't heard the story. They haven't really understood the gospel. There's many young people in our nation that never heard about Jesus, really. You think, oh, they, oh, they probably have. No, they haven't. There's, there's people in our, that don't, haven't gone to Sunday school. There's people in classrooms that haven't gone to youth group. They they've grown up in families that don't know it. They don't talk about God. They don't know anything about God. And so unless they go and search it themselves and seek it out there for themselves, then they just don't know. And there's people that want to know the good news but they don't even know it's there. They're hearing negative news. They're hearing a bad report. They're hearing negativity in their family, their friends, in their school all the time. And they're saying, would somebody give me good news? We were at a um, conference this week and, uh, and I just shared this one story. It's a powerful story. Chris Estrada, who is, uh, um, he's, uh, he's based in California and uh, he's involved with... Um, one nation, one day, where they go into a nation for a, or do a massive event in one day, but leading up to it, do a whole lot of um, events that help. They feed the poor and they set up medical clinics and, and all these things in countries around the world. And in uh, July this year, they're going to do it in LA. They're mobilizing 20,000 uh, people to come into LA and bring whole medical teams and schools. And they've booked the largest stadium in LA, which holds 100,000 people, where they're going to hold a massive evangelistic event in that day at the end of the week and this incredible event so he's involved with that and um and he shared this, this he shared many stories on this last he sp- spoke at youth alive and the last night he shared this uh, incredible stories and and had a word over trevor and had prophetic word over people um in the audience was pulling people out and um and so he shared this one story he said his kids he said one his daughter's a bit older but his son is um uh, he's probably this probably a year or so ago but at this time his son was five years old and um and God speaks to them, he said, all the time. And, uh, and he's very much like this himself. And so their kids, like, they'll be out and about, out in the street or whatever, and God will give them a word for someone they're with. And, or, and to speak to them. And they said they want to, and he said they'll walk up and they'll pray for people and things like that. And so then one day they're sitting at a restaurant. And, uh, and they're sitting there about to order their meal and the waiter's come by. And as the waiter come by, he sort of did something and came back. He said, I'll bring back some menus and, and you can see what you want to order. And as, as he leaves, his son leans over and says, God's given me a, a word for him. And, um, and he's like, oh, okay. And so, and what did God say? And God, well, he said, God says that, uh, that, that he's, he's got a great voice and he's not going to die. And Chris said, right, okay. And so he's like, he's thinking, oh, should I tell him? He says, he says oh, I'm not going to tell him. I said, so he leans back and says, well, well you're going to have to tell him. Says to his father, because I'm not telling him that. You can tell him that. So the, so the waiter comes back and uh, back ready to take a drinks order. And, and they do that. And then he says, oh, just hang on one second. My um, son, he used to explain like, you know, we're Christians. And, and God speaks to our kids and, and gives them you know, some words for people. And my son has just told me that God wants you to tell you something. He's spoken a couple of words that wants you to tell you and, and the writer's like oh that's so cute you know that's so nice and and thought oh this is so nice and he sort of thought oh yeah it's a you know bit of they having a bit of fun or whatever so that's so he's like oh, okay yeah what what did god say and and sort of leant down or whatever and and then his son looks at the waiter in the eye and says you've got a great voice and at the top of his voice yells and you're not gonna die and the whole restaurant hears it and the waiter steps back bursts into tears and runs and so, and then sort of, and <laughs> like, 
And so Chris is like, whoa, okay. And uh, so that happened. And then all of a sudden, then, what was that? What's going on? People are wondering. And next minute, a few minutes later, the, he comes back and sort of gathering himself and, uh, and, and stands there. And, uh, and Chris is like, are you okay? And all that. And says, so, you know, what was all that about? And he says, well, he said, how, how did... Does, how do you know anything about me? Because I don't, we don't know anything about you. And, and he said, well, he said, what, what did that mean to you? And he said, well, um, I, uh, I'm, I can, I'm a singer. And I was about to sign a deal with Sony not that long ago. And so were two of my other family members. And they, my other family members, they signed the deal. And when they signed, the very next week, one of them died. Then my second family member signed a deal. And the very next week they died. And so I was scared that if I signed the deal, that I was going to die. And so, and Chris straight away recognized there was a, like a spirit of death that had attached itself to their family of fear and death. And, and Chris said, okay, he said, is it okay if my um, son just prays for you again? And, uh, and he said, okay, yeah, that's fine. So his son climbs under the table and comes out the other side and, uh, and lays his hand on him and, uh, and, then, and then looks at him and, and, and the other guy's just standing there and he says, you've got a great voice. And he yells again at the top of his voice, and you're not going to die. And as he yells out, the power of God hits him and lays him out on the floor. And, uh, and I don't know what happened after that, but... Um, but that happens all the time, apparently, with their family and stuff. And so that's good news. Doesn't always happen like that, that dramatic. But I'm telling you what, that young person had a message of good news. You've got a great voice and you're not going to die. And in that, those words that God gave, even through a child, set that person free. So God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me. He wants, to, he wants us to bring good news to people. So what is good news? When I'm talking about the good news, I'm talking about the gospel. Now you can share good news with someone, but there's only one, the good news. There's like a good news that's higher and greater than any other good news you can share. And that's the good news about Jesus himself and about his story. We often describe God's gracious offer of salvation as good news. This man writes, and while this makes sense, given the magnitude of God's gift to us, there are actually good reasons for describing salvation in this way. The word gospel is derived from the Anglo-Saxon word Godspell, or good story, and was substituted for the original Greek word eulogion, which first signaled a present given to one who brought good tidings or a sacrifice offered in thanksgiving for such good tidings having come. In later Greek uses, it was employed for the good tidings themselves. That's exactly what God is offering us with the gospel. Good news about what he did for us through Jesus Christ. And so the gospel is about Jesus the good news is about Jesus. So God looked at earth. God always had a plan. God, from the very beginning, had a plan. People were 
giving sacrifices and sacrificing animals and blood had to be shed for your sins to be covered. And through the Old Testament, we read all about that. They were still doing it right into the, into the New Testament as Jesus still came. And so, but God had a plan and he said they can't do this forever and, they, uh, and people were failing at it and, and it wasn't lasting and it wasn't working. And so he said, I will send my son for one reason alone, because he loved you and me. And he said, I will send my son and he can die once and for all for their place. So he sends Jesus in the form of a child, which innocent child that no one really noticed. Or said, is this the Messiah? This can't be the Messiah, a child. And then we don't hear a lot about Jesus' life. We see he gets lost when he's 12. Uh, well, he, well, the parents think he's lost. And he's in the temple sharing with the priests. And they're amazed at his intellect and what he, can, what he, can, what he knows about God. And, and then we don't hear much about him until he turns 30, which is the age when you could actually stand up and minister and become a rabbi and, and speak. So he'd learned, been educated, well-educated, would have known the first five books of the Bible and, and all that stuff. And so he, when we hear about Jesus and the first miracle he does, he shows up at a wedding and he turns the water into wine, which is encouragement from his mum. And then we see he goes and gathers disciples and people start to follow him and he chooses 12 disciples and on the way he starts to incredible miracles start to happen and he walks and he speaks he touches people in the eyes and they see and and deaf ears hear and and lame people walk and then we hear stories about there's there's a mum and his um there's a Mum is walking with her only son and he's died and there's a funeral procession and Jesus walks up and stops it and lay hands on the boy and he comes back to life and he starts to raise the dead and he raises Lazarus from the dead and, and, he, and all these incredible miracles start happening and he speaks incredible words and he starts to tell people about the kingdom of God and he does all this to reveal what the kingdom of God is like. And he does all this and says all these things, shows incredible love to people that no one else would love. He deliberately goes and visits prostitutes and, and beggars and lepers and, and does you know what, what they would say, you can't touch a leper because they're unclean. And he goes up and not only touches them but heals them in a moment because what he carried was greater than what the, the, what the leper was carrying. The, the disease was going to have no effect on him because he carried healing because he was the healer. And so we see he does all these amazing things to reveal the kingdom of God. And all this is the good news. And all this is the gospel. And so then he states words of knowledge and he starts to show people that this is what, if you see me, you see the Father. If you want to know what God is like, then just look at me. And then he got persecuted by religious people that, that all they, he was suddenly getting all the attention and they weren't. And all these things didn't line up with what they thought. And so they conspired against him, but it was still all in God's plan. And for three years, he does all these, hundreds of people are healed, thousands of people are healed. The Bible says there isn't enough books written that contain all the miracles that Jesus did. There was times when he walked into a place, and as the Bible says many times, that, that everybody was healed. Everybody. And thousands followed him at times. He'd go to a place across the lake where there was a guy who's chained up called Legion. He went all the way through a storm and went battled all this stuff to get there to get to one person to set them free. He showed this is what God is like. This is who God is. This is how much God loves you. This is what God thinks of you. And everybody, the poor and the rich and everyone, they all followed him. It didn't matter who they And suddenly he broke down all these barriers between people that were separated and segregated. He went to the, um, the 
Samaritans that wouldn't hang out with the Jews. And he deliberately went and had a conversation with a Samaritan woman and, and set her free and went to Samaritan village for two days and spoke in their life, did all these things that were against the rules, so to speak, against the religious rules, so to speak, but they were never against God's rules. And he went and showed people, this is the good news. This is the gospel. And finally, he gets betrayed by one of those that are very close to him. And he goes to a cross and gets beaten and bruised and tortured, just as the Bible predicted it would happen years before, thousands of years before. Isaiah talked about that this would happen to him. And he's beaten nearly to death. And he dies on a cross. And the Bible said that he cries out, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the reason why he cried that out is because God turned his face because he took all of our sin upon himself and he became so ugly that God even himself had to turn away. But he carried all my sin and all your sin. But he died. But on the third day, when the devil thought he'd won, he died, but then he went and preached to those in Hades. He went and beat up the devil, took the keys of hell and death. The devil knew then at that point he's in a lot of trouble. And on the third day, he came back to life. And people, and someone heard about one, and the first person he talks to is a woman, which in those days is like, you know, well, they, don't even, they wouldn't even believe the testimony of a woman in those days. But he, he's like, he's, he, just, he, he loved everybody so much. The first conversation he has with a woman and then they run and she runs and tells him. And so they, Peter and John, they run to the thing and, they, and he's not there. And they're trying to find where's he gone, where's he gone. And suddenly, and then one by one, they meet him. And Thomas doubted, unless, unless I see the holes in his hands and the holes in his feet, then I'll believe. And Jesus walks through the wall right next to him and says, well, here I am. Do you want to have a look? And Thomas just about faints and says, okay, I'm sorry, I believe. And so, and then, so all these incredible things happen, culminating in for 40 days, he's, he's there with them and then five. 500 people, it says over 500 people saw him alive. And he speaks and he says, and then he says, wait, 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 wait. Gather together because I'm about, I'm about to go. But I'm going to send my Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to fill you with fire. And the day on the day of Pentecost, 10 days later, they're filled. And the church, like we sang tonight, the church was born. That's the good news. That's news that people need to hear. They don't know every bit of the story, but they need to see it in your life. They need to see it. It's not, and it's not, the good news isn't about you. We can share testimonies about our life. We can say, this is what Jesus has done, but you're not the good news. He, it's always about Jesus. He is the good news. He, you've got you've to always come back to him. Bring all the attention back to him. In every conversation, if, ever, if Jesus comes in the conversation or a church comes in the conversation, always bring it back to Jesus. Always bring it back to him because that's where it is. That's where the power is. The name of Jesus is above every other name. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He has all authority, all power. He's the one that we need to bring it back to him. He is the good news. And God loved us so much that he sent Jesus for us. And a world that's hurting, that doesn't understand, a world that's trying to do life on its own, trying to fix their own life, that is trying to battle through life and getting hurt and broken by people, 
They need to know that there's a God who is so in love with them, that so cares for them, that if they were just to hear the good news, if they were to hear it, to explain to them plain and simple, as Jesus is, showing Jesus for who he is, then they would, they would just grab it with all arms saying, that's what I've been waiting for. That's what I need to know, that I can be forgiven. That I can come to God and he's not mad at me. That God is not going to judge me. So many people, I think that, you know, sometimes they think, oh, they think God's mad at them because they know they've done the wrong thing and they don't realize that, that Jesus has taken it all. That God is not mad at them. His arms are open saying, run to me. Run to me. How beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. Worship team, do you want to come on up? The gospel is about Jesus. The good news is about Jesus. What he did, his life of obedience, his death on a cross, his resurrection from the dead, and his ascension into heaven and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church, upon us. For those who follow Jesus, the task remains to shout the victory far and wide. It's the calling of every follower of Jesus to make this declaration until all have heard the good news, that people can at long last have peace with God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Why don't you stand Thank you for joining us. Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, Check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or on our social media pages at Bayside Christian Church.